Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. Please enjoy this clip from 2002 about shame. Philippians, the first chapter, and the 20th verse. The Word of God says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I should be ashamed. This opening sentence from the Apostle, the soldier of the cross, is a very unique statement. It could be you saying it. It certainly could be me. So we'll read it again until the Holy Spirit in reveals to you the meaning of it personally, as I hope he'll do. According to my earnest or fervent expectation and my hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, I have dealt month after month, year after year, with people who have spent so much time being ashamed. And the shame produces guilt. And the shame produces fear of failing. The shame produces rejection by Christ, which will not happen, but the shame produces that reaction of rejection. And there isn't a person who's hungry for God or thirsty for God that in a very, very sensitive way doesn't have an earnest expectation and hope that we will not be ashamed. And so he says, but that with all boldness is always So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, rather it by life or by death. I got a letter today, several letters, but one letter. The person said that he cannot tell me what's going on in his life, but I know anyway. And he said... If you find out what it is, please don't tell anyone. And he said, I am ashamed. I'm ashamed of what I'm doing. Sin makes us ashamed. And I want you to notice... Paul made a decision, and this was his choice. He says, I don't want to be ashamed in nothing. I don't want to take the grace of God and use it to sin, or the love of God toward me and use it to experience with the flesh. 
He says, but with all boldness as always. So now also that Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be life or death. And here's the great principle about the body. So Paul said, I want to magnify Christ in my body. Because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to magnify Christ. The way of the righteous is life. And in the pathway there is no death. In Proverbs 12:28. In Philippians 1:21, please keep in mind the apostle is in prison. The prison which he is in is not a comfortable place. It is cold. He doesn't have his favorite books. You remember he doesn't have his proper coat. It's damp. And so Paul's experiencing this and here he is in this prison. And in 2 Timothy 4, he knew it was his time to be taken. That's why he said what he did in verse 8. I've kept the faith. i finished my course. But here, he says, I've made a decision to magnify Christ in my physical body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If a person can discipline their body through thinking properly in the mind, there will not be the confusion, the bondage, the slavery to all of satanic tricks which try to attack our body. So much attacks our body. Allergies and you name it, it's always trying to attack our bodies. Many times it's certainly not our fault. But the apostle said, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Now this passage, for me to live is Christ. And it means this. I get up in the morning in jail. The food is terrible, if, if anything. It's damp a lot. I don't have what I should have for provision. But I've got one thing going for me. I'm motivated to live in Christ. And all to be motivated to be live to live in Christ. When the apostle said in Colossians three four, Christ is our life. And I, as I think of for me to live is Christ, I talked with a very beautiful person this morning in my office. Had a number of meetings, and this person said, Pastor, I fear all the time. I fear at night. I, I wake up. It's a very 
lovely young lady, I think. And she said, I fear. And she was very sweet about it. And I, I said, well, fear is the byproduct of anxiety. It is the activation of not knowing what's going to happen. And I said, listen, I want you to play some, in the middle of the night, play some good Christian music tapes. And I want you to quietly get up and use your voice out loud to praise God. And I said, if you do that consistently, the fear will go away. That's what resisting is. That's what resisting Satan is. And then I said, you will end up in this classification of faith. You will really come to trust him experientially. And you'll be able to say, for me to live is Christ. It is such a a precious phrase when you understand the background of the apostle. Please remember he's weak, he's aging, he's hurting, but he's trusting. And then he, he knows that death is coming ultimately. He understands the persecution and hatred of Nero. And so he adds this statement. I want you to know, I want everybody to know that will ever read this passage. For me to die is gain. And you know what? He meant it. For him to live was Christ or is Christ. But for him to die is gain. He didn't want to be ashamed. He made a choice to magnify Christ in his body. For him to live is Christ. And for him to die is gain. Now my question to us. Would it be gain today for us to be with Christ? Regardless of our ages? Would it be gain? Would it interfere with hope, plans, purposes? Would it interfere with what we want in life, which is normal for us to want it? Or would it be gain? Well, the faithfulness of God is great. He'll always give us grace to fulfill his plan in peace. His faithfulness in Psalm 89.33 never fails. And the word of God makes it clear his faithfulness in Psalm 119.75 does afflict us. It does afflict us for a very specific reason to fellowship with Christ's suffering. His faithfulness is unto all ages. You often think of how faithful he was to Abraham, especially to 
Moses and Jacob, David. But in Psalm 119.90, his faithfulness is to all ages. He's no more faithful to them than he is to us. His faithfulness in 1 Corinthians 1.9 is our calling. The very fact that he called us in 2 Timothy 1.9 by grace is his faithfulness. And his faithfulness is to keep us from infections, to keep us from evil in 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. Every time, like the letter I got today, because this person is failing big time. And when you're failing, you'll always get paranoid and you're always afraid somebody's going to find out and tell. So you say this, is anybody repeating anything? Is there anything you know? Because it's guilt. Because the life hasn't been cleansed or purged. And so, they can't trust God to keep them from evil. In Hebrews 10.23, uh, he is so faithful with his promises. And the apostle knew that. He's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness and cleanse us. And in 1 Peter 4.19, he's faithful to us in suffering. And if I was to understand today the faithfulness of God and the hate to be immoral, there's some people that think they can get away with immorality, but they can't. Their sin will find them out. In Numbers 32.23. Maybe nobody knows about it now, and they rationalize it, but their sin will find them out. And when they come in the light and get in the light, God is just. And once they truly confess and repent, He'll cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. It is amazing, isn't it? We talk very much on our program about the grace of God and the mercy of God and the hope that's in Jesus Christ. And we know that our performance does not have anything to do with our favor with God. That the only one whose performance could measure up to the point of garnering him favor was his son, Jesus Christ. He is very well pleased with his son. He says that in several places in the scripture. But our performance does have a great effect on us, doesn't it? And our conscience. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our conscience of dead works and enables us 
that God has given us a provision of innocence. He's declared us to be innocent because of the work on the cross. And our conscience can be cleansed of past wrongs and present inadequacies and fear of future failure. And that is really amazing. That is amazing. Now, this is a process that goes on in a believer's life. It, it goes on in a person's life. Those scars and wounds that sin has caused in our life go very deep beyond our conscious mind and become embedded in our identity. Just like someone's initials carved on a tree, that tree may continue to grow and that scar may change its shape somewhat, but it still seems to be there, doesn't it, when you look at a tree trunk and you can come back years later. And without the blood of Jesus Christ, without the working of the Spirit of God in our lives, our souls would be scarred with the effects of sin. And shame is the exposure of that sin or fear of exposure. There are whole cultures in the world that are motivated by shame. It is, it is very sad when you see that. The, the fear of exposure, of weakness, of inadequacy. In the book of Revelation, speaking to the church of Laodicea, which is represented in our age of the church age now, in chapter 3, starting in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Oh, yeah, this is very real. Adam in the garden could walk naked without shame. There was no sin. He had no knowledge of sin. He had not partaken of anything sinful until that day when Adam and Eve discovered that their conscience smote them about their actions. And from that point forward, man has needed to be clothed. And we do have a clothing that we can wear that hides our nakedness. And it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is that white raiment spoken of there. In Romans 10 Starting in verse 9, this great passage. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Oh, that is good. That is good. And that is part of... The cure for our soul is the confession of truth. We confess the truth of the scriptures, of the purity of the innocence that's been restored to us, of what Christ has done. This confession, hearing it with our own ears, reinforces the first John one nine, this cleansing, that God is faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We we confess our sin. But we're not so much doing it for the consciousness of sin. As a matter of fact, we're doing it in a way to shut the door on sin and to shut the door on that identity and to say, now, 
No, now I have a new provision. Now I have a new life. And my identity will no longer ever be my sin and my performance. Now I now operate in a grace economy where God has given me favor, the favor of his son. And so when God, if God be for us, who can be against us? And God is for us if we are in Christ. And so we rehearse these things again and again. And it is amazing that this consciousness of sin and this shame begins to dissolve and and slip away. Now, a very misunderstood passage using this word, this word in the Greek, anti, is Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, that word for the joy is the word anti there, only used a few times in the scriptures. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In a way, this passage is saying, um, the joy that was before him against, anti, the shame of enduring the cross, of being exposed before men, of being naked and uh, artist renditions to protect the modesty of Christ do not fully give the picture of what it was like to be on a cross. You were naked on the cross. He was naked and beaten and scourged and mocked. And all of the sins of mankind were upon him. He was, he was being bathed in every despicable act that a man had, or woman has ever committed. And he despised it. Oh, he hated it. Like any one of us would. Like we hate our sin. Christ hated, hated the sin that was on him and the exposure before the throngs of, of malicious eyes. Joy or the cross. Joy or the cross. The joy of a life not having to endure that or the cross. And Christ chose the cross that is love manifested Hmm. verse 3 for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds if you've experienced shame in all of us it's it's part of the human condition all of us have to one degree or another we know that our saviour has experienced shame. And that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, of the throne on high in glory, not living in that shame, resurrected out of it. Like he was pulled out of death, he is pulled out of shame. And so are we as we are resurrected with him. Mm. It's a great passage, Philippians 1, 19 and 20. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death. Oh, that is so good. The forgiveness of God the promises of God, the cleansing of the Spirit of God. 
gives us this confidence. Confidence in, in the work of Jesus Christ. Confidence that he is working in us. Even, even as we live and breathe, he is working. And there is nothing we need be ashamed of. Because he will never know us after our sin. And we never need to know ourselves after our sin ever again. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So, if if your shame is ever before you, if you are plagued by guilt, by shame, by fear, there is a remedy in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the only remedy. It is the effective remedy. That Jesus shed his blood to blot out your transgression so that you would never be naked before God. That you'd be clothed in his righteousness and you could walk in innocence again. Receive that that free gift of salvation that was paid for you by Christ himself on the cross. He bore your shame. Will you receive the gift of righteousness that he would give you in return. Pray a prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I my sin is ever before me, but I come before you now and I lay it and my and myself at your feet. And I ask you to take me, make me yours, come into my life, cleanse me of guilt, of fear, and teach me how to think with you. I pray these things today in faith, asking, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.